You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Have you ever thought about what it takes to build the best body possible? I'm not talking about the superficial things that we do. I'm talking about the real building blocks of your body itself. What is actually making your cells, your tissues, your organs, your organ systems, and the person that you're seeing in the mirror. Now, you already know the answer to this. It's embedded in the very matrix of the human mind. Your body and your amazing brain are made from the food that you eat. Every single bite of food that you bring in, your body's deciding what it's going to do with those nutrients to turn it into human tissue or not. To turn it into human tissue or to possibly use it as energy. There's this judicious program taking place when we eat food, right? And we get to decide what we're making our tissues out of. Now, this is one of the most remarkable powers that we have in our life experience. Each and every one of us has the ability to choose what we're making our bodies out of, what we're making our brain cells out of, our heart cells, because again, it's made from the food that we eat. The amazing thing about the human body is that it will do what it's got to do. If it needs to use substandard materials to patch something up, if it has to MacGyver the situation just to keep you functioning, keeping you rolling along, it'll do it. That's the amazing thing about the human body. We're very resilient. But I know that there's an intelligence within you that will preferentially choose the higher quality, sustainable materials when you provide it as an option. So this is really leaning into what we're going to be talking about today and how to heal our amazing bodies and where that healing process starts from, you know, because this interaction of taking something from outside of ourselves in the external environment and putting it into our bodies to then become human tissues, that miraculous process, that whole intersection point starts in your gastrointestinal tract, right? There's a tube from your mouth to your anus, all right? That tube, it's essentially, there's like a hose, if you wanna picture it like a hose, going from your mouth to your anus, all right? To your anus. We're talking about not the planet, but you know what I'm talking about. But Think about that as a tube, and that tube isn't necessarily you. When you can, you can put th- things into that tube, but not everything is going to become a part of your human tissue. Not everything is going to get pulled into your circulatory system, into your bloodstream. Right? There's a process of differentiation that takes place. There's a process of determining what is allowable to enter your tissue matrix that takes place within that tube, within that hose. Now, here's the thing. When there's damage to that hose, when there's punctures, it's kind of like if you have a garden hose yourself and you've got little holes that are poked into it, what's going to happen? Stuff's going to start getting where it's not supposed to get. It's going to start spraying out, right? It's going to be popping up little holes and sprinkling out here or there. And getting things wet in the environment, if we're talking about this analogy, that maybe you're not trying to get wet. Maybe you're trying to water your lawn and now you're getting the sidewalk all wet because that hose is punctured. So this is what's happening within our gastrointestinal tract when we have this phenomenon. It's called, quote, leaky gut. 
But where there are punctures or perforations in that hose, that things are getting into places that they're not supposed to be, right? And so this can set off a immune response, an immune response that can be very detrimental to our health, right? So this is really the hallmark or the foundation of many autoimmune conditions are taking place because of the damage that's being done to our gut. Now, the symptoms can be widespread. The symptoms, we tend to think, okay, if there's an issue with my gut and the integrity of my gut, then I'm going to have gut pain. Now, that might not be the case, even though we have about 70 million Americans annually have gut-related gastrointestinal diseases. 70 million Americans annually. It's a huge chunk of our population, but it's not always going to be a physical manifestation in the gut itself or things related to symptoms like IBS, for example or Crohn's or the like. This can be, again, this can create systemic issues. Somebody can have an issue with the integrity of their gut and their outpicturing, their symptoms can be skin issues. Their symptoms can be arthritic issues. Their, their symptoms can be migraines. So things that seem to be taking place miles away in the body are a result of what's happening in the gut. All right. So now, again, even as I say this, miles away, that's simply not the case. We tend to think about that when we're thinking about how the human body is connected. Like, why would my head hurt if I have something happening with my gut? That doesn't make sense. The issue is in my head. And not understanding that it's not miles away. As a matter of fact, it is one. Your head is literally connected to your gut. And there are an immense amount of nerves and nerve fibers that are connecting these two entities. The vagus nerve has become popular right now. Vagus is popping. All right, so it's a primary nerve connecting the human gut and the human brain. And it's constantly feeding data back and forth about the state of affairs in both the gut and the brain. But primarily, most of the data is getting fed from your gut instructing your brain. For example, what the needs might be whatever nutrient deficiencies or caloric needs are going on and what the body has kind of stowed away. And your gut can send data to your brain and informing what your status is. And your brain can literally send data back telling your gut, hey, go ahead and increase your assimilation of calories or turn it down. This is what is not talked about in most programs when people are wanting to lose weight or to improve their health. We have this calorie paradigm. We don't understand that there are epicaloric controllers that are determining what your body's actually doing with the calories that you consume, whether or not it's even assimilating most of the calories that you're consuming or if it's a minority amount. This is all talking about this interconnection. And today we've got a very special guest to talk about how this connection impacted her life or lack thereof, you know, the connection being a little bit stifled. And from that, in her process of discovery and healing and how that became a movement where she's impacted the lives of some of the people that you watch on the big screen, on movies, and folks that you might see on the biggest stages, whether it's the basketball court or the baseball diamond, she's behind the scenes fueling these folks' bodies with the, the best building material and taking their performance to another level. And so really, really excited about this episode. 
Now, one of the things that we share in common, one of our mutual loves, my special guest and I, and something that's a part of her programs, is the storied benefit of very specific medicinal mushrooms. And one of those being cordyceps, right? Cordyceps. Now, cordyceps, this was featured in a randomized placebo-controlled trial that was published in the journal Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise, and it tested 30 healthy athletes for six weeks to record the effects of cordyceps on their performance. The group that added cordyceps to their daily regimen had twice the oxygen intake of the control group. And this oxygen, by the way, of course, is essential in supplying nutrients to the muscles, preventing fatigue, and also preventing the buildup of lactic acid, meaning you can go further. You can go another further. You can keep it moving. You have more capacity. Another study that was done by the same group also showed a 9% increase in aerobic activity from utilizing cordyceps. This can be a night and day difference. This can be the ability to go an extra two minutes in the UFC match. So when you hear 9%, that is a significant increase in aerobic capacity. So what's going on here? How is this possible? Well, we know that cordyceps has an affinity towards the cardiovascular system and also specifically lung tissue. There's even some great data coming forward about being able to help with reducing the symptoms of conditions like asthma and allergies and things of the like. But this is news to us today because of our peer-reviewed data, but our cultures throughout history for literally thousands of years have been utilizing cordyceps. Chaga is another one that's wonderful. Chaga is the highest source of antioxidants of anything that humans regularly consume throughout our evolution. If you think about high antioxidant foods like acai that are very popular or goji berries or even chocolate, chaga has more. Chaga is the most antioxidant dense nutrition source that we have access to. It's really, really remarkable. And there are also several studies looking at the connection between chaga and its anti-cancer capacities as well. So there's something really remarkable with chaga, with cordyceps. Rishi is another one. But the key here is making sure that the medicinal mushrooms that we're utilizing, that they're dual extracted, meaning it's a hot water extract and an alcohol extract to get all the compounds to get these benefits that we're talking about here. One extraction method is not enough. And you probably don't want the duty for most folks of doing both extraction methods yourself or buying two different products to try to get one benefit. This is why I love Four Sigmatic so much because they do both and they make it easy. Simple, easy, on-the-go packs, organic medicinal mushrooms, elixirs, and they also combine them. If you are a fan of coffee, you can get organic coffee that is blended, that is combined with wonderful medicinal mushrooms as well. And also they've got a great Rishi hot cocoa that you know I make for my son. My, it's one of my son's favorite things, my youngest son. It's a highlight of many of his days. He kind of starts his day like I do. I'll have the the Lion's Mane coffee is my favorite, the Lion's Mane and Chaga, and I'll make my son the Rishi Hot Cocoa many days to start our day. So really, really big fan of Four Sigmatic. It's a daily part of my regiment. Highly recommend them. Head over there, check them out. It's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get a special 10% off discount of all their wonderful medicinal mushroom elixirs. 
medicinal mushroom coffees, and hot cocos, and so much more. Pop over there, check them out. Forcingmatic.com forward slash model. Let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Wake Up People by My Puppy 101. Sean, every week I wait for your podcast to drop. So excited to see what your topic will be. Never disappoints me. I just finished your episode with Dr. Johnny Bowden, and I just want to scream out to people to listen to this and wake up. The information in this show is so empowering. Keep up the great work. I love this so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your voice over on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me. And if you yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the Model Health Show. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Mary Shenuda, and she's a highly sought after performance chef and specialist. Emphasis on the chef part, because man, can she cook. Her clients include both professional athletes and Hollywood entertainers. Mary's also the creator and founder of Fat Fudge, P-H-A-T, Fat Fudge, pretty hot and tempting, a high performance food line of her own formulation. And Fat Fudge is really, again, in Los Angeles, you could find it at you know, an array of health food stores, even the most prestigious, you know, Erwan Market, for example, carries this amazing fat fudge. And after almost two decades of suffering from debilitating illnesses that really appear to be a mystery to her physicians and that prescription drugs continue to fail to resolve, she took matters into her own hands and devoted years of personal research into foods that she was putting into her body. And eventually she decided to change the way that she was eating and had incredible, and you're going to hear about the story, resolution to her issues that she'd been dealing with literally for years within months. And this new lease on life would lead her to leave her career in the tech world and start a performance-focused private chef consulting practice. Now, again, Mary has had an impact on so many different professional athletes and entertainers that you see, again, on the big screen and on their respective field of play. But so many everyday folks have been impacted by her work, impacted by fat fudge, and impacted by her mantra that has been impressed upon culture, which is to eat, play, and crush. All right. So really, really pumped about this conversation. Let's jump into this interview with the amazing Mary Shenuda. Welcome to the show, Mary. This is very special to have you here. Incredibly special. There's something about Mary. There's a lot of things about Mary. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> of advance. course. We're going to get into it yeah. all. The first thing I want to ask you about, of course, your client base is some of the most absolutely exceptional athletes on the planet and people we see on the big screen. You know, some of the stuff you get to share with me personally. Right, right, right. But we have this concept in our culture, like there's this glorified diet that if everybody can just get this particular diet, everybody's going to be set. So- with you working with all these incredible people over the years and also just everyday folks, is there a one size fits all diet for everybody? You wish, right? It would be just be so simple, but it's, it is really diverse. So with my clients, every single one of them is different and it's all based on their body chemistry. We're doing tons of comprehensive testing and finding what works for them. And it gets really detailed because some of these people are elite level athletes, but my philosophy, even though I'm known as paleo chef is paleo, what works for Haley me you. I love that. may not work for you. And what works today may not work in six months. Yeah. And so even if you find a diet that is working great for you now, you're going to evolve. You might change environments and that's going to cause you to evolve. And it is a moving target, which 
the more time you spend understanding your body and your body's chemistry and the way your body is going to react to foods, the easier it is going to be for you to understand when you need to pivot. But the idea that one size fits all is false. And I do say, you know, if you have somebody who is preaching this one diet, this one modality, run. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the things that I, I saw and I connected with you on early on was you seeing that because most folks believe that their thing is the thing. And I think we all can be guilty of that at some point, especially if something has helped us so much. Sure. We want to tell the whole world about sure. that thing. But getting to a place where you understand, and there's this term that I'm, I'm grateful is starting to integrate our culture, which is you know metabolic individuality. Right. Right? And so you using that in your practice, paying attention to the person, and not just my thing is going to be your thing. Right. But you do, of course, have some really important principles. And I think your principles evolved because of what you went through yourself. And if you could, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because you struggled for years with some particular health issues that, and I wanna talk about two parts of it. Let's talk about the story and how it was kind of written off for so long right. as being something that was psychosomatic. Right, 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 right. Um, I started getting really bad migraines in second grade and just continue that through grade school, junior high, high school, and into my 20s. Migraines that would turn into hives, um, hormone issues. You start going to the doctor at a young age and they prescribe you things that don't make sense. And like at one point I came home from the doctor and I looked up the medication they gave me. It was antipsychotics. And I was like, what is this for? I don't understand how this helps my migraines. And like, oh, I just thought maybe it was depression or psychosomatic. And I'm, you're feeling really betrayed. And uh, you go through pain for that long. And I've, I have photos on my Instagram of like the types of hives and the, the swollenness of my stomach. But you're in pain so much. And I'm a really active kid that you come to terms with it. Where you're like, this is just going to be my normal. And uh, you're going to... I actually had a moment where I like spoke to God. I'm like, look, if this is going to be my normal, if I'm going to be in pain every day, please just make sure someone somewhere else is suffering less. Like if I'm, I had to like make sense of it in that way. And uh, I'd be in the ER at least once a month because I would be vomiting to the point where I would black out and then somebody would find me and then I'd be rushed to the hospital. When you're young and they find you like that, they assume you, overdosed on drugs sort of yelling at you calling you a liar like you have to tell us what you took and you're like i swear it's just a horrible migraine and it's it's frustrating because you feel betrayed by doctors you feel betrayed by western medicine um and then you don't get to have a good quality of life and a couple the stories i share is you know i dropped out of high school um as a junior went straight into corporate technology and so i'm the youngest by 10 15 years which means I can't perform at their level, I have to perform above their level to justify my role because they're looking for that one that one mistake you're gonna make. And I have migraines, so I'm sitting at my desk with sunglasses because I don't wanna go home because I don't want them to think that I can't cut it. And then when you're a girl, they're like, oh, did a boy break up with you? And you're like, I knew my head hurts so much right now. Or like when I played basketball, um, the migraines would affect my eyesight. I had a coach that was really understanding of that and she knew I loved to play. So she would time when she would put me in the game, I would have a head wrap on and that would give me pressure so I could see. And I would tap her, we'd take the headband off, I'd go in, do a couple of plays, look at her, 
she'd sub me out because she knew that I was about to lose sight again. So you're making all these like these modifications to still live a life. Yeah. And it wasn't until my last ER visit at 24 or 25 where they give you morphine and some other medications via IV and they don't actually help the migraine, they just knock you out. But there's side effects to that and it creates this massive anxiety in my body and I'm, I'm starting to have a panic attack. I, I'm like, you know what? I wanna understand what is causing my migraine. And now I'm starting to, to be as type A in that moment as I am everywhere else in my life. Mm. And I was very, it was very dramatic. I like ripped the IV out of my arm. I'm like, screw this, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gonna figure this out on my own. Um, and then I started to do a deeper dive into understanding the mechanism of a migraine. All right, what's happening to my vessels? Okay, what happens on this cellular level? Okay, the mitochondria. And I remember a report I did on the mitochondria in high school. Well, my partner and I re rewrote the song, uh, the lyrics to a Beastie Boy song around the mitochondria. You gotta fight for your right to ATP, man. Oh my God. <laughs> and so oh. it's like, whoa, I had the answers. And then in junior high, I had done a, a paper on how mm. I believed ADHD and autism was um, autoimmune related. And I did a prototype of a bar that had nutrient. And it's like, you, Mary, you've been sitting on this for a while. Yeah. And I found uh, the TED talk by Dr. Terry Walls. Yeah. And that was my gateway into like, okay, I'm just gonna change the way that I eat. And then I did labs at, that were out of pocket because they weren't covered by my insurance to test for autoimmune. And while my blood tests that the doctors had given me were saying I wasn't celiac, the cheek swab and the stool test definitively said you carry both genes. So I was pumped. I was like, okay, I just don't eat these foods. And three months later, every pain in my body, including the headaches were gone. I woke up without a headache and I thought I was dead. I was like, wait, this feels like a trick. <laughs> and it was confusing. I actually like shook my head around, like waiting for the familiar pain yeah. to come back and it yeah. didn't. Um, and that I rode with that for six or seven months. And then that was sort of the beginning of leaving tech and then doing what I'm doing investigating with athletes and entertainers and finding what's gonna make them optimal. Wow, this is so remarkable. I haven't heard anybody else articulate some of these things that I've, I've seen firsthand as well. Like when the thing is gone, you kind of look for it. Like where's that pain that I was having? Like, you know, trying to find, yeah. and also if, there might be some fear tied there too that I'll find it again. Yeah. And so you gotta learn how to live your life without it. Like you said, you woke up, you're like, is this the, is this heaven? Like, what's going on here, you know? I mean, that ties in other things, like when we're so used to something, even if it's not good for us, yeah. and then it's not there, wh why are you looking for it still? That's a whole other conversation, but it's like, yeah, like, wait, d don't come back, and then there's a the fear of it coming back. Like, what, yeah. what do I eat that day? What if I eat that and it comes back, that type of thing? But it's much deeper, and yeah, I've always been somewhat aware of that side of things. Yeah, and you were really a good, you were a good canvas for this because like you said, you're type A in all these other areas of your life, but you would kind of outsource this part having to do with your, your, your health and yeah. your internal landscape yeah. out to other people who were not just telling you that they can't really do anything about it necessarily, but even kind of downplaying it and telling you essentially this was all in your head. How frustrating was that? Incredibly frustrating because you're you're telling them this is how I feel this is what's going on they're like no you're not and I'm like bro I've been in this body for 25 years 37 now 25 years but for you to tell me based off of a couple of appointments what's going on doesn't make sense and it's where I built around the 
the idea that when I'm seeking out a professional or seeking out colleagues, now when I'm working with my athletes and we have an anomaly, I'm not looking for the smartest person in the room, looking for the most curious person in the room. I make a living on saying, I don't know, but we're going to figure this out. When someone says, I know definitively, I'm like, peace. <laughs> Run. Dun, <laughs> yes. dun, 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 dun. So, you know, again, like I mentioned, you were a good canvas for it because that personality type that you carry, where you're going to be more inquisitive, where you're going to be more driven to figure things out, you know, you had to go through that. So you understand what other people are dealing with. And for you to even say, when you were dealing with that, you were hoping somebody else, at least there was some kind of an outlet where this pain you're experiencing, someone else is experiencing something less mm -hmm. somehow because of it or related to it. You got to, you created a context, you know, where that was still uh, acceptable when in reality, what you were going through, it didn't have to be, it never right. did, but right. this brought you to the life that you have today where you've impacted so many people and it's really remarkable. But I want to circle back to that TED talk showing up as well with Terry Walls. You know, I talked with, we had her on, it was years ago now. She is the queen. Yeah, she's a boss for sure. Her, her son is a, a boss too, like that's just queen. <laughs> we, we'll put that episode for everybody in the show notes as well, Dr. Terry Walls. And, but this brought you into this domain of understanding the connection because again, this is something you're experiencing upstairs, right? Your mm -hmm. head, you've got mm -hmm. these migraines, but not really seeing the connection up until closer to that point of something happening with your gut, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk about that connection because I think a lot of folks, today we've got like about 70 million Americans have digestive diseases. Mm -hmm. And we tend to think it's just, if, if something is wrong with our belly, right? Mm -hmm. If you've got a belly ache or something, some offshoot of that, or maybe IBS, but you might have gut issues and it's affecting your skin, for example, or your, you know, your migraines. Your mood, the way you yeah. show up in relationships, your emotional responses to things, the rash on your knee, the, the cracking of your joints, your arthritis, almost all, I don't wanna say everything, but a lot of things can tie back to that. Um, and then sometimes your emotional state can impact your gut. Mm. And then that impacts your symptoms that your body's presenting. So it is always connected. It's like when I'm talking to any client, I go, I wanna know how you're feeling head to toe. Cause something you may not think is related could be related. Mm. And I'm, I'm usually heartbroken when someone tells me, oh yeah, you know, I've, I, just, I just have IBS, I've had it for 10 years. I'm like, you don't just have, it's not a diagnosis, it's a symptom. And so trying to get people to understand a lot of what you've been diagnosed with is actually a symptom. And we can make that symptom potentially go away through some time, patience, and, and testing. So two things here. Number one, I love that you mentioned this being a symptom because we tend to, again, our identity, especially if we dealt with something for a long time, it becomes our identity. Mm -hmm. You know, so I am diabetic mm -hmm. you know instead of understanding it's, it's a condition and your condition your diabetes is not like anybody else's diabetes who's ever existed on planet earth and never will exist you know anybody in the future as well because we're all so unique you know it's a category of symptoms and you get a blanket label when your body is very different so that's number one and number two if you could articulate a little more let's dig in here how was your gut health or lack thereof causing issues with migraines for you? 
So I have celiac disease, so I can't process the protein gluten. And so in lamest terms, I eat that. It causes massive inflammation because I can't break it down. And it causes all these little microscopic holes. People know this is leaky gut. And then I'm being malnourished because I can't actually absorb the nutrients from good foods. Um, so no matter what I was trying to add to my diet because I wasn't removing a culprit, I was sort of doing myself a huge disservice. And that was then creating this, I know inflammation now is like a catch-all phrase, but it's causing this widespread inflammation. And so uh, something I don't usually talk about because I don't want them to think it's weight loss, but I lost like 25, 30 pounds also. And it wasn't weight. It was just widespread inflammation my body was holding on to. And it was the, the hives, the headaches. So now if I get glutened <laughs> by accident, within 20 minutes, that cycle starts all over again. And if someone has an autoimmune disease related to something like gluten, which they don't know, and this may have changed, but the last time I was looking at how long it takes for that repair or for that damage to repair, from the last time you eat gluten, it takes up to two years for the host of damage in your body to repair. So when someone's like, oh, I just had a little bit of gluten, and I'm like, you just started the clock all over again. Because your body has to repair multiple functions over the course of time from something that you were putting in your body consistently. Mm. So this helps to bring the distinction between an autoimmune condition that can be exacerbated by interacting with gluten, well, will be, versus somebody having a sensitivity mm -hmm. to it. Is that accurate? It is. I haven't done a deeper dive in the sensitivity aspect of like how long it takes for that damage to repair. In general, when I'm working with clients, I'm looking at inflammatory markers and we're just removing all the known culprits and then any of the nuanced culprits, like if they have cantaloupe, for example, or a lemon, remove that. And because what I'm doing is so like in the moment with the athlete, get them going. I haven't done a deeper dive in if you're sensitive, if a little bit's okay. Because people do say a little bit's okay, whereas my reaction to that is if your body is telling you, I don't like this, I don't think you should have it. Um, but if it's like I'm on vacation and I want to enjoy something, I also want people to enjoy their lives. I guess it's like, what is it, what is it impacting when it comes to sensitivity? What's your thought on that? I mean, some of the best data we have, there's this sonulin, you know, this, um, there, there's, there's this chemical cascade that takes place when we never, whenever we eat any food. But there are specific mechanisms that take place in the human body when interacting with this wheat-related protein. It can be in other foods as well. Like casein and all those other things that come up. Yeah. And so zonulin, it incites the separation of our, the lining of our gut, mm -hmm. right? And the, it's kind of this really remarkable, I like to think of this like a, like a netting. Mm -hmm. But it would be more akin to like, you know, you played tennis. Like the, the racket size of a net, right? Where certain things, very specific things are able to move from the external aspect of right. the gut into your circulation. But this compound, zonulin, can make that go from a tennis racket scale to the tennis net scale, right? Right, Where things are now getting into circulation that aren't supposed to be there. And the vast majority of folks tested have that interaction take place to some degree, right? right? But it could be so minuscule that you never notice and it's not a big deal. Right. But this also leans into the conversation about 
what we're actually eating today versus what our ancestors sure. might have had. Sure. Because it's not just the wheat for most people. It's it's the glyphosate. It's right. the you know the fact that it's this genetically modified dwarf wheat that human DNA has never really interacted with, and the fact that it's in everything. You know. So we got to put everything in context for us. And I love that you said that. Just like it's not about unless you have a condition where this is straight up damaging you. Right. It's not about being neurotic or anything like that. You can still live your life and, you know, not be afraid to to get weeded. Is that what you said earlier? Gluten. Gluten. But it more it's you more know? of like when you talk about the netting to use your analogy, it's what I what I'm not clear on is so if somebody's sensitive mm-hmm. and that netting expands. Yeah. How long does it take for someone who's sensitive for it to come back down versus yeah. someone who has celiac where it's like, oh, we're just we're just stuck here for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's why I, I even imagine with someone who's sensitive, the sensitivities are gonna vary based on the person. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And that's why Paley you. Paley you, I love this so much. Yeah. So so to take this a step further, um, there can be obviously for, for folks as they're trying to dial in what's best for them in their particular diet. And again, you've worked with all these amazing people over the years. It's, do you like to take the approach of like, just doing a general kind of uh, avoidance of certain foods to get started and then integrating things as you go along? Because you've got this wonderful reset program. And I wanna talk about that because you don't necessarily jive with, and I said jive because also you like jazz. See, I, I know all these little things about you. But <laughs> jazz, baseball, and hip hop. <laughs> I mean, that's Mary in a nutshell. Uh, but understanding that you know these terms have been a little bit twisted in our culture now. Detox, yeah. for example. Yeah. And so you have a gut reset. Yeah. Protocol. Let's talk about the distinction here. Yeah. And then also going into a gut reset to for somebody to to actually heal their yeah. their gastrointestinal tract and their so gut. So the gut reset is the first time I'd ever shared a private protocol with my clients with the public. Um and it was scary to share. Like you want me to work with the goat one on one? No problem. You want me to send something to the general population for them to do by themselves? I was terrified. So far, so great the stories that I'm getting from from folks. But the way that I work with clients is they come to me, we're gonna start to put together the the map of what they should be putting in their body, food, supplementation, and then all the recovery stuff. Now, if they come to me and they are eating a standard diet or eating basically whatever they want and I test them right away, I'm gonna get a baseline of what they were eating and we already know they're not gonna be eating those things anymore. So I put them on a one week reset, which is a specific bone broth made with different spices from my culture from Egypt. And then these nutrient dense foods that repeat themselves. Um, It's three days of just this broth and then four through seven is just repeating foods. And different clients will experience different levels of of inflammation loss. Um, Some of it's actually quite impressive as the amount of inflammation they lose. But throughout that experience, they're experiencing they're having symptoms and I have them document the whole process, everything, whether it's bad, like I had a headache or I had a rash or this happened to my tongue because all of that's data points. And I tell them whether this is a breeze for you or it's uncomfortable, every piece of information that you give me is telling us a story, what we're going to tackle next. So for the general population, it's, it has like a journal format. So you would take that to a functional medicine doctor. Like I did this reset. 
what happens next. Because what happens next with me one-on-one with the client is we're like, okay, great. With all this information, now we're going to run labs after this week. And now I'm going to know clearly what your baseline is when the inflammation is gone, when you have some nutrient density in your diet. And then we build the, the diet from there with that information using a team. Like I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm the I don't feel like Julie McCoy analogy works anymore. I don't think anybody knows who Julie McCoy is. The love boat. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one that, she's the tour director. She tells everyone where to go and Mm. what to get. And it's kind of the role that I play. Okay, all right. You're going to drop an analogy no one gets. I love it. Um, And so (laughs) I work with functional medicine doctors, dietitians, uh, food chemists, because I've built use cases over 10 years and they're all, could be considered anecdotal because they're individual. But I know what works has worked and what could work if there's some anomaly. And then I use the really smart people to validate those hypotheses when I'm gonna put together the program for someone. So that gut reset is the kicking off point if you are gonna start a new diet or start a new performance plan or starting to investigate what's going on with your body. And then after that point, everyone likes to revisit the reset after long bouts of travel, when they're feeling a little run down, um, when, they're, when they're feeling a little inflamed, or sometimes they're like, I just wanna do like a four day version of it. So it's, it's similar to like what happened with fat fudge is I put it out there and then people are telling me how they best use it. Cause I have my use case. And what's been really cool is hearing um, a few different doctors have replaced a different reset that's a little more well-known with my reset in their practice. And I was like, that's pretty badass. I feel like really humbled by that. That's amazing. It makes my mom happy since I'm not a doctor. It's like, she's like, oh, so you like a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you sure, mom, I'm like a doctor. <laughs> I mean, even the track that you took, you know, like that's not gonna be culturally uh, congruent, you know, especially immigrant parents and the whole oh, yeah. thing. I know that that expectation and you, you know, moving on from high school, but of course you clearly like, you're super intelligent. And even in that moment, I think that if I remember the story correctly, you had almost enough credits to graduate, like in your junior year. Yeah. And you're like, I'm done actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was, high school wasn't a joyous experience for me. Mm-hmm. And the, the irony is I'm the first person in the whole family extended not to go to college. So it's very much the opposite mm-hmm. immigrant story. And my parents are very academic, biochemist and engineer. Um, and so I, I went in to just figure out my credits for senior year. And she was like, oh, you just need four credits. Or it was like three or four credits, something like that. And I, I assumed it was just for my junior year. She's like, no, like you've had honors classes, like you're pretty much done. I'm like, y'all want me to stay here in this miserable place for another year and a half? I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And um, I chose to drop out. It may have forged some signatures and my parents didn't know for a little while. <laughs> First, and also- I've never been defiant like that too. I was a good kid. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. But seriously though, I think that for your parents, even to this point, just even picking up as I remember the story, for them, it doesn't necessarily mean that, of course, they're, they're agreeing with your decision, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But just having the ability to hold a space, to have conversations, to understand, not to even say that there's not going to be conflict. Right. But to trust that you had, you know, an intention and you were walking in a certain direction. And also, of course, to see the results at some point as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they, they weren't sure 
Like, what Clearly. is she doing? <laughs> like, I think it wasn't until I was like 28 that they stopped asking me about going back to school. Um, but I, I moved out when I was 17. Um, my mom was in tears helping me pack the car. Uh, it was very much of, you know, parents are like under our roof, our rules. I go, cool, I'll just not be under the roof so I don't disrespect anything here. Um, but I'm really lucky that while they may not agree with my decisions, they've never asked me to be anything other than who I am. It doesn't mean we don't argue about <laughs> who I am at times, but I, I, I'm very grateful for that. Um, and it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I realized that not a lot of kids get that, um, which is why I try, I try to pay it forward in some of the volunteer work and efforts we have with my other business Yeah, to try to pay that essence forward. Yeah, that's what I picked up from it. Just, it's a beautiful thing because, of course, being a parent, it's very, um, you, you really, you, as a parent, you have experience and you really feel like you know what's best. But it's also, there needs to be some grace involved to understand mm -hmm. that that person has their own soul assignment in a sense. Yeah. You know, so to help create conditions. And so I saw a little bit of that in your story. But I want to ask you about, you know, again, you, you intentionally use the word reset versus, a cleanse. Right. Why is that? When I hear cleanse, when I hear detox, I think juice, I think celery juice mm -hmm. for like six days. I think rapid weight loss. I think something gimmicky. I think uh, it's a promise for something. And I, I'm sure the origin of those words aren't those things, yeah. but it's the way it has been used in marketing. Yeah. Um, and I even say in the gut reset, if you bought this thinking you're going to lose weight, please email me for a refund. Like that's not the purpose of it. And it's, it was just really the aversion to, it's like, like I feel the same way about the word authenticity. It's been, it's been used in marketing in yeah. such a way that makes my soul cringe. And so a reset is something where you're like being kind to yourself. It's just like, we're just resetting. Yeah. It's super chill. It, there wasn't like crazy thought behind it other than like, I don't want to be, categorized as those things this is nutrient density and it does it mimics it has a fasting mimicking protocol to it it does have um an elimination protocol to it but it has dense foods that are just i also don't like the word superfood what is a superfood if it makes you feel super then it's your superfood but it might make someone else feel like crap mm -hmm. so i talk about nutrient density um and that's I wanted I wanted the education to be around that rather than it potentially being I don't want it ever to be marketed as like a weight loss program and I think if I use those words uh, it would have had the wrong the wrong eyes. Yeah. That's powerful. Like again, your insights just witnessing these these things is so on the money. This is where everything is going. You tend you tend to be a little ahead of the curve, you know. I've been pushing gut protocols and a lot of what I you see now for 10 years professionally, but been talking about it since I was in the seventh grade. And it, now it's becoming easier to have these conversations with athletes organizations. Before they'd be like, what, we don't have time for this. We're trying to win championships. And I'm like, but if you validate their sleep score against their recovery time. <laughs> and now it's, now it's yeah. I get invited to the conversation versus being the squeaky wheel. Or uh, last month, in the same, it was the coolest day. Um, three different doctors from three different backgrounds all called me to ask me what I thought would support a case they have nutritionally, 
when before doctors would be like, oh, your food doesn't really affect this. Mm-hmm. And now doctors want to have those conversations. I, I almost, almost died in hospital last year, I think almost a year ago. They gave me some whack medication. And I told them the whole time, I shouldn't have this medication. I shouldn't have this medication. Gave it to me. Within seconds, they had to give me an anecdote. There's like six doctors in the room. And um, I just remember seeing the tips of my feet as my eyes were rolling to the back of my head, thinking, this is a shitty way to die. <laughs> I'm like, this is not how I want to go out, man. Not like this. Not <laughs> and, like this. Um, and after I was stable and they were like watching me, they offered me Oreos. And I'm like, do you see my chart? I have celiac mm. disease. Uh, okay, do you want like a fig Newton? Celiac disease. Mm. And again, I just went through this like massive experience and I'm still sort of like dry heaving and I'm like, I'm gonna make it my mission to overhaul the food system in the hospital. And there was one doctor in the room who was like, I'm, I know that I don't know and I'm really intrigued by what you know. And so before there would never be a doctor like that in the room. So I, I'm really lucky I never bailed on the message and the soul journey because I could have bailed on this being like, nobody wants to hear about gut health. I'll just stay in tech. But now it's like, okay, I like stuck through it. Yeah. And now and now it's, it's like, whew, finally. It's changing. You know? It takes a long time to get to just the beginning. Absolutely. Oh, so good. Bar. That was a bar right there. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> you know, because um, I, I don't think folks realize how difficult it is to change things when the system is just chucking along day to day, you know, in our healthcare system. You know, um, we know that based on some data from, you know, folks at Harvard, you know, one of the most prestigious, even if you say the name, that the education is not obsolete, but significantly big chunks of it, just within a year or two of the person graduating from medical school, you know, things change so quickly. And so the integration now of Food, which would be cap, it just seems Captain Obvious. Once you get it, it's just so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but just brushing it off as this like non-factor essentially in your health outcomes for years, just because it's not taught, it's right. not a part of the curriculum, right? Or it's a tiny, maybe one percent portion, even for folks who go to school for gastroenterology, right? You know, right. literally de- the organs dealing with the digestion and assimilation and elimination of food, right. not learning about food, except for maybe a couple of weeks tops, you know, so there's, but now of course things are shifting because of the state of things. Of course, if you just look at the results, right. how are we doing? Right. It's not working out very well. But as you mentioned, you know, more of these terms being on people's minds, like detoxes and cleanses, but I'm so grateful you said this. Marketers really screw things up. I've been saying this for a long time. It's probably 16 years ago now that my mother-in-law constructed the first, like I saw it firsthand with my wife. She was dealing with this particular health issue and to be able to recover from it, doing this protocol she put together was a cleanse. She, she called it a cleanse. Yeah. And I was just blown away. It really got me into this field at this level. Okay. Because I was a, you know, I was a strength and conditioning coach and I had very kind of superficial approaches with nutrition, but I was, I had the moniker of eating real food. Right. Like, let's get the best quality, whatever it is, let's get the best quality of that thing. But that really turned me on to how the body already knows what to do. Right. You know, and just getting out of the way. And so that cleansing protocol, next thing you know, 10 years later, then it's like, you know, you got your cleanse tea, you've got, you know, this product, that product. Mm-hmm. And like you just mentioned, also <laughs> authenticity being used as a marketing tool instead of just being authentic, you know? 
So <laughs> instead of just be, just do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a thing. It's just like breathing. Right. You right, know, right. until you frame it in a certain way. Got a quick break coming up. We'll be right back. Very often it's the small things that can make the greatest impact. Archimedes said, if you give me a lever and a place to stand, I can move the world. It's all about leverage. It's all about positionality. And the same thing holds true when it comes to human health and performance. It is truly honoring the things that give us the greatest leverage. No process can happen in the human body without this remarkable sodium potassium pump. This exchange helps our mitochondria to create fuel. This exchange helps our heart to beat. This exchange helps all of our brain cells to communicate. Nothing is taking place without electrolytes. Electrolytes are minerals that carry an electric charge. And also we've got mountains of peer-reviewed evidence as to their efficacy with every single area of human health. For example, our cognitive ability depends mightily on the function of electrolytes. Take sodium, for example. Not only is sodium required to help to maintain fluid balance in your brain itself, a study conducted by researchers at McGill University found that sodium functions as a literal on-off switch in the brain for specific neurotransmitters that support optimal function and protect the brain against numerous diseases like epilepsy, like neuropathic pain. How simple, how foundational, how much leverage we can get from making sure that we're getting adequate amounts of the right type of sodium. Fascinating new study published in the journal Neuron found that another remarkable electrolyte, essential electrolyte, magnesium is able to restore critical brain plasticity and improve cognitive function. Truly, we can fight so hard, so mightily to find nutrients, specific foods that can help to bolster our cognitive performance. But it really boils down first and foremost to leverage and our electrolytes are that leverage. Now, what about the immune system? This is something that is on a lot of people's minds today. Well, the meta-analysis publishing the Annals of Clinical Biochemistry titled Electrolyte Imbalances in Patients with Severe Coronavirus Disease, COVID-19. It analyzed five studies with nearly 1,500 patients with COVID-19 and found that both sodium and potassium, another critical electrolyte, were significantly lower in patients with severe COVID-19. Now, this should raise a lot of flags. This should raise up our antennas to understand, hey, what's going on here with our electrolytes? Is electrolyte deficiency leading to worse health outcomes? Severity with COVID-19? Or is COVID-19 and any infectious disease requiring electrolytes for the healing process for an appropriate immune response to be mounted? The answer is it's both. And the answer is we've got to ensure that we're getting high quality electrolytes in the right ratios. This is why myself and my family utilizes Element, L-M-N-T. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and you're going to get to try Element for free. They're going to send it right to your door. Just pay a little bit in shipping. You get to try a variety pack of Element. This remarkable electrolyte is not coming along with any binders and fillers and artificial colors and flavors, no sugar, any of that stuff, just the high quality electrolytes that you need to thrive, All right? So check them out. Again, it's getting shipped right to your door. 
Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and get your electrolytes optimized today. Now, back to the show. I want to talk to you about a portion of your reset that has get, it's, been a, it's been around a long time, but you're intentionally putting it in here and it's bone broth. Why mm-hmm. bone broth? Why is that a, a portion of, a significant portion of the program? So these things that are trendy right now, I've been parts of cultures forever. Bone broth has been a part of my life since I was a child. And, and so learning from my mom and my grandmother, the heal, healing power of it, Again, it's that seeing the anecdotal information and then reverse engineering it with like validating it through science. And I don't like the idea of, of juice cleanses because I don't understand how that's going to help repair things in your body. Whereas bone broth, like something as simple as somebody drinking bone broth for three or four days and seeing their skin quality change. It's like, what do you, okay, now when you see your skin change, what do you think is happening? Now, how does that, relate to your joints? How does that relate to your sleep quality? What do you think is happening to the lining of your gut? Because your skin is telling you, I like this. So the inside of your body is saying, I like this too. And so I, I really feel like a lot of people um, need to have that experience to understand the power of bone broth. Because if I just tell them, oh, it really helps the repair the lining of your gut. I think it's like WT40 for your joints. They kind of overlook it. Um, it's even even bone broth becoming trendy right now. I will, when I see bone broth in the um, the, sh- the shelving rather than the freezer, I get really sad. I'm like, bone broth shouldn't live with the pasta on the shelf. What is this? <laughs> Mud water? <laughs> what is this? Um, and so the the first three days, it's the it's the bone broth. So you're getting dense nutrients, and then it's also helping absorb a lot of the spices and the like. There's liver in the bone broth. There's dandelion greens in the bone broth, there is nutmeg in the bone broth, and the, 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 the fat in there and the collagen in there is helping with the absorption and the delivery system and the bioavailability of the power of those other spices as well. Um, it's also giving you energy and all the good stuff. And then moving into the food portion, the bone broth stays in there in lower amounts because I'm trying to form a habit. I want you to be like, I don't need to drink bone broth as a soup, I can just have it as a cup with like my breakfast. So then you can continue that on moving forward. Um, and people will notice the difference in how they feel and their digestion and their skin when they have bone broth. And then they'll notice the change when they cut it out. Like, oh, I look kind of drab mm. or I feel some kind of way. Mm. I love that indicator, you know, the skin, because it's your skin is sort of like the last place to even get the love. Mm-hmm. So you just know that that regeneration is definitely happening with your joints and your ligaments and your gut lining, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things across the board. I know you hear this all the time about people getting on the bone broth uh, protocol and their skin just starts to glow and reaches a different level of health. And I know you keep your, your clients confidential, <laughs> but this reminds me of what happened with basically, you know, extending at a pretty high level, Kobe Bryant's career, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan. Mm-hmm. And her wonderful self as well, you know, getting the the Lakers on board and bone broth. So when he would travel, he would find ways to make sure that the hotel that they're staying at, whatever, they're making bone broth. Yeah, know? yeah. So all my clients, the athletes, especially weight games, um, everything they eat and drink is formulated by me and prepared by me. So away games, they have a freezer bag that has boil bags of their meals. 
their bone broth, their pregame, their midgame, like they're on that. And and what's cool is that the athletes that I usually work with are at some great level that the rest of the team and organizations like, why aren't you eating with us? What are you eating? Oh, that and then there's that buy-in too, because they see the the change in them. And it's it's people like that that really incite that change through an organization. But bone broth travels with all of my <laughs> all of my clients. That's awesome. That's <gasps> awesome. Another thing that I would imagine quite a few folks, not just you know, the people that you work with, but just out here on the streets, period, is fat fudge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about fat fudge. First of all, what is it? Yeah. It's spelled P-H-A-T. Yeah. By the way, yeah, pretty yeah. hot and tempting. Yeah. And- Do you know so, that the young kids don't know that it means that? They're like, what does fat mean? I'm like, what do you mean, no, what does fat mean? Yeah, I mean- It hurts it, me. I'm yeah. like, oh, am I, am I that old now? Things <laughs> um, change. So I used to joke that fat makes you fat. That makes you P-H-A-T mm-hmm. um, to, to try to get people to not fear eating higher fat. Um, and it's tahini based, It being Middle Eastern, tahini to me, if there is a superfood, would be considered something that is super nutrient dense and it gives us energy. And it was, again, I'm creating something and then I'm listening to the messages and then I'm validating it with science. So I was creating fat fudge as a recipe for my clients, because I wasn't happy with protein bars, I wasn't happy with with goo packets. I needed something that was easy for them to digest and had some vital nutrients. And so I used fat, I used tahini as the the vehicle, the base, and then you'd add different ingredients to it to make these little squeeze packs. And um, and I would make the squeeze packs for my clients, and and also make little like uh, uh, ice cube freezer fudges. And that recipe still to this day is public. And the audience at the time, I think I had like 10,000 followers. They were posting pictures of it in sandwich bags. They were taking it on runs. Mothers were like, I use this during labor and all this stuff. And they're like, you need to turn this into a product. And so um, I was like, here's the deal. I don't know what I'm doing. I was on Periscope, RIP Periscope. I was on Periscope with like a unicorn head, like making fun of it. I'm like, here's the deal. I don't know what I'm doing. So if you guys want to order, I put 50 orders on the website, 12 packs each. You want to order that? I'll figure out how to make it into a squeeze pack. In one hour, it sold out. Pretty dope. And it, but it wasn't even that it sold out. When I saw who bought it, I was like, I didn't know these people were following me. Oh my god, did I say something stupid today? Oh my gosh, oh my god! Like I didn't realize who was like paying attention. And so I hand squeezed six hundred packets. I still have the muscle to prove the work from that. That muscle's never going away. It's ketchup bottle over a scale in my house using a vacuum sealer. You could grab the shit out of somebody. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, and so I would do that every Monday, 50 orders. And it got to a point where it would sell out in less than a second. And people would email me like, what is this, a Beyonce ticket? I set my calendar reminder. And I'm like, the recipe is still public if you want to make it yourself. Um, and then it got to a point where I was going to have to scale. And again, went to my audience. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to figure out the co-packing world. If you guys want to pre-order it, I don't want to go on Shark Tank. Uh, I turned down a Shark Tank uh, invitation, actually. I didn't want to raise funding. I really wanted to do it the old-fashioned way through sales. So if you guys want to pre-order over the next 30 days directly on the site, I promise you in six months, you will either have a refund or a product at your doorstep. And in 30 days, over $90,000 in sales on a product that doesn't exist came in. And that's how I was able to initially start the business. I almost lost it again two years ago because of a manufacturing nightmare, but like that's what 
started it. And now, and because I had built it from scratch, like played where it wore every hat, when things went sideways a couple of years ago, I was like, I did it before, we'll rebuild it again. Mm. And so that was a product that I made for my athletes that I knew was working for them and working for musicians when they're on the road. And then I turned it into a consumer product. And so everything that I make for my athletes, again, protein powders from scratch, protein waffles, the pregame stuff, the postgame stuff, all of that will eventually become products for the main market. Because I've spent the last 10 years testing it on some of the greatest people in the world versus like being somebody who's like, yo, scientist, I think this is cool. Can you formulate this? It's like, no, this has been actually tested with some championship ring wearing people. Mm. Humble brag, humble brag. (laughs) (laughs) So can you, so how would you utilize fat fudge if somebody were to partake in the fat fudge phenomenon? I made it as a squeeze pack, Mm -hmm. just shoot it. Um, If you are an actual performance athlete, depending on your body comp, one to four packets pregame of the original cacao and then taking uh, the the power berry, which is cordyceps and beets in it with the original cacao, mixing that with applesauce as a refuel halftime and then using the halva one which is a recovery one post game so if you're an athlete if you're someone like me and you running around you can interchange them however you want i love starting the day with it as a squeeze pack um keeps me satiated for a long period of time when i'm traveling or like before coming on doing an interview like this now the audience the customer base they do that and then blend it into their coffee, like making lattes with it. They put it in their smoothies. They put it on their brownies or their ice cream to have more fun with it. But my, my intention was squeeze pack to replace protein bars, but make it your own. Yeah, that's what I've seen, of course. When I first saw people using it, they were like putting it into stuff. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, that's so awesome. I had to learn not to correct. Like, no, it, mm. they have to Don't do, do it. that. Yeah, I was like, wait, no, it's a squeeze pack. What do you, <laughs> but it's like, no, they're gonna, they're gonna figure out the best way to fuel themselves, just paleo. you. Mm. Ah, so good. So first of all, where can people get fat fudge and also your gut reset program too? We've got to mention where to actually find this. Yes, uh, fat fudge is phatfudge.com. It has its own Instagram handle. The gut resets on paleochef.com um, and then on paleochef across all social platforms. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. So I'm gonna bring up uh, a little bit of a controversy that took place during the <laughs> pandemic. You know, there's been a lot of infighting, a lot of okay. divisiveness, but nothing have I seen throughout this campaign was as insightful or inciting of controversy than this tweet that I put out. And I reposted the tweet on Instagram and okay. it got even more okay. rumbling. Okay. I'm going to read it okay. verbatim. Okay. <laughs> I posted, okay, I'm going to say the thing no one else is willing to say. If people had the choice between eating a pear and literally <laughs> any other fruit, no one would choose that goddamn pear. <laughs> and man... It went bananas. I was the, so offended. <laughs> and specifically, you started a campaign 
you know, and, and just went in and, you know, it turned into a whole thing. But people are passionate about yeah. pears or yeah. their dislike of pears. Yeah. And I think I went to the store and bought, that's what I forgot to bring. Down. I was going to bring you a basket of pears. I forgot, <laughs> man. Um, and I did a post on, I do these ingredient highlights. And so I did a, an impromptu post on the benefits of pears for your digestive system. Also, they're delicious. Also, yeah. have you ever had baked brie with pear on like a croissant? Some say they're delicious. Others say <laughs> people would choose anything else. But, you know, of course, I was kidding a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, course. it's because of, so there are some wonderful pear varieties out there for sure. And, but for me growing up, the pear is going to be included in like some fruit cocktail. Oh, that's right? your experience with and pears. And so that's yeah. the, that was experience growing up. It wasn't until, you know, I got older and my palate was evolved. Yeah. And having access to, but I know, for example, Japanese pears were wonderful um, advent and, you know, I would utilize those and cooking and just snacking yeah. and things like that. So many different wonderful varieties. However, you know, me putting that cookie cutter blank statement out, this is the great thing about Twitter. You could throw out a random idea. Yeah. And, um, but people were passionate. Like some people were like, I agree, screw pears. <laughs> and other people were like, are you kidding me? There, And then people had their certain ways. Like it has to be, at this exact time on this oh. exact day of the <laughs> month. And like, it, it got very specific. Yeah. And I was just like, if you even need to do all that to have a yeah. good pair, it doesn't sound like it's that appealing. I think they're delicious. I like throwing them in, in smoothies. I like having them with fat fudge on them. But it's, it's interesting you said your experience, how you relate to them is in those little fruit cups. Yeah. Whereas growing up in a Mediterranean home, like it was interesting as I got started getting sick in second grade. Second grade is when I started eating more school lunches and not my mom's food at home. Mm, yeah. That was the shift. So the way I relate to food is what was at home, which was a, a fresh pear. Mm. Like liver, I love liver. I have an amazing recipe called Bangin' Liver. It's part of the reset. And I didn't understand why everyone hated liver. And then I realized how they prepare liver here mm. in America. I went to my friend's house. I was like, what? why is that gray? What is that? <laughs> But it's how it's how people relate to food, and yeah. it's interesting the American food system. But yeah, pears, pear. I think the pear post is what made us uh, get back in touch because you don't remember how we met. Dun dun dun. <laughs> We've known each other for years, all right. Yes. But apparently, there was a moment in time yes. that I'm going to remember once you tell yes. me. Yes. <laughs> so where was this? So the thing that I noticed about you first was your energy, and it was such a, a like a a lifesaver uh, at this moment. We were, we were both at um, a party in Beverly Hills. I remember, <laughs> yes. Oh, wow, yes, I remember. And I was, I would just move to LA. So this is like eight or nine years ago. Yeah. Uh. And I'm like looking around and, and nobody in the room is terrible, but I just don't feel like I fit in the room and the vibe and the conversations. And I was just kind of like walking around with my scotch on my hand and I'm singing to myself, one of these things is not like the other. And then I just see you holding up the wall by yourself with a backpack and some kicks, just like chilling by yourself, biggest smile on your face and like immediately walk towards each other. Like, hi, how are you? Oh my God, <laughs> there's somebody here that's like, like just feels like different. I don't wanna like not better or worse, just different. And and it it made me stay there longer because I kept, jumping into conversation, be like, no, I want to talk about, no, <laughs> and then there's just this person there that I'm like, this is such, you had a glow around you and about you. 
-hmm. And it was like in this, in this environment, but not of this environment. And it stood out to me. That's powerful. I remember that. that? (laughs) Immediately. I remember that because I remember being in that environment and, um, you know, feeling a little out of place, but also at peace with it and very just observant of the different kind of cascade of human intentions even, you know, like some people were were there. So, so for me, it was even a new thing to see, like people were trying to see how important you are and all these different things. And just, you know, um, I had done at that point, again, like this is where we connect is of course, is like, I've been through real stuff in my life. And so I feel like just such curiosity and openness, but also at the same time, I have an evolved palette to where I know what I am not going to participate in. Right. You know, so it is like you really do create an energy field around you. And, you know, I remember like it was it was so refreshing to, to meet you as well. You know, it's just like, oh, like I, I saw you. Yeah. You know, and I know you saw me. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, man. I remember. <laughs> that's oh, how we that's met. so powerful. <laughs> so, but then they cut to our pair debate i'm gonna share a couple of these messages some people posted in the in the pair thread all right so somebody put uh shout out to to michael anthony he wrote pairs take a refined tongue lol (laughs) he put a lol on there and maggie stewart wrote i love pairs but they have to be perfect ripeness and then i replied to that when i said see pairs need all kinds of conditions to be eaten (laughs) They have to be perfect ripeness. You have to be stranded alone on a desert island with the choice between eating a pear or eating some of your own thigh meat. See, pears are not an easy sell. All right, somebody wrote, uh, pears over banana any day of the week, pear over any other fruit for me. People had passion about pears. But you said, you know, pears need a certain condition, but you have to honor that, right? If, you, mm. if that's true. Yep. I love something that needs a certain condition. Yeah. If it's just easy. Mm. Come on. But you know what? Pears that are super ripe are delicious and pears that are crunchy are delicious. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Pears are <laughs> yummy. <laughs> now, I don't want this to What's go- What's your favorite fruit? My favorite fruit? I, I'm not a big favorites guy, you know? I appreciate stuff. Okay. But if I had my go-to, like what would I normally- have a taste for it would probably be blueberries. Blueberries, I yeah. I love blueberries, but they have to, they have to have conditions though. Oh, okay. I, so blueberries you know. <laughs> get the pass, but pears don't. <laughs> it's just jokes. It's just pear jokes. Okay, guys, grow a pear. Grow a pear of some, you know, some some sense of humor. But yeah, like just having a little bit of sweetness because sometimes it could be, you know, a little bit too tart or too sour. Yeah. You know, so I like to have a little hint of sweetness. Okay. In the blueberry. So are dates too sweet for you? Ah, yeah, dates. I've gone on dates with dates. You know, there's (laughs) been times where I go, I've I've gone hard with dates. Um, Yeah, I I like dates. I I really like figs as well. Oh, yeah, figs. Like when figs are in in season. Um, The darker ones, I really like the darker figs. Yeah, yeah. My my dessert, my treat for myself, and trust me, I, I do crush desserts. I don't. People think I eat this like perfect diet. I'm like, I drink scotch and like make right. chocolate cake, like chill. We're going good. Um, but I do love like a treat, putting a Brazil nut in it and half of a date. Mm-hmm. The texture of that particular nut with a date. Mm-hmm. Just joy. There's so many things you could do with dates, period. Like mm-hmm. I literally did, did the same thing. I take the pit out, replace it with 
you know, an almond or a Brazil nut. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. Pistachios and dates wrapped in prosciutto with a little bit of orange zest. You see, that's, that's paleo chef talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got to ask you about this because in the Gut Reset program, what I really enjoyed was it, you had so many little insights along the way as you were taking people through the protocol. And one of the things you talked about, and you, you didn't know this per this recording, the episode that comes out or that came out before this, when everybody's hearing this, was a masterclass on how to improve your digestion without changing your diet. Without changing your yeah, diet. Yeah, so Ooh. all the things that are around, because food, obviously, that's the big leverage point. Right. But, you know. I mean, like environment. Yeah, in the episode, we talked about some of this really amazing science regarding how exercise affects your microbiome. Yep. And assimilation of nutrients and, and the like. But one of the tenets there, and I shared some, some studies around it, was helping to kind of turn on that parasympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. before eating, mm -hmm. right? And you actually have a two-minute meditation, essentially, that you recommend before people have their meal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and I'm guilty of standing and eating versus like stop, some deep breaths, a little bit of gratitude. And it's, it seems cheesy to some people, you want me to pray before my meal type of thing, but it's like, no, it's actually telling your body like, okay, we're gonna stop. Um, I experienced this yesterday and the day before that. I was going so hard with like meeting after meeting and, and interview after interview and I tried to eat on the go and I could feel my diaphragm, not even letting the food move down. It was all stuck. And I'm like, oh, you didn't stop. So I like sat on the floor, did the breathing, really visualized everything kind of relaxing. And then I felt the, the food move through the system and get to focus on digestion versus focus on like, what's happening next? What are we doing next? What decision we're making? And so there's that cue. I posted a video of me chewing um, and, <laughs> and I was like, this is how long you should chew. And so it was a picture of me chewing and like holding my finger up. I'm like, this is, this is the time it should take too. Cause there's the cueing of relaxing your body. And then there's the chewing of your food thoroughly to kind of help the digestive system get going too. Mm -hmm. Digestion starts in the mouth. You know, oh yeah. There's a saying, of course, your stomach doesn't have teeth and that whole thing, but like for real, you know, it's going to take so much pressure off of you, but Man, that's so awesome what you just said about like digestion kind of be, being halted in a sense and not passing through because of not being in your body, you know? And, you know, there's peristalsis. What we're talking about is electricity, you know, the, the electrical impulses that's moving the process along. That energy can be siphoned to other things, you know? And so this doesn't mean that you can't obviously, again, eat on the go or whatever right. the case might be, but what are you doing most often? You know, and having that little moment just to get out of that fight or flight, just even if you change your breathing a bit, mm -hmm. you know, just like you just said, a moment of gratitude can just help to shift the energy in your body to yeah. support that process. Yeah, people think that when they're working a lot, they're like, I don't get hungry throughout the day. And I go, no, it's not that you don't get hungry, is that your body is in this one mode yeah. and you haven't checked in. And the second you decide to check in, you're gonna realize you're starving. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, I, I think people need to understand those, those different systems in their body. Um, or like the, what I experienced, someone be like, oh, I just have heartburn. I just have indigestion. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely eat more when I'm not working. 
you know, because when I'm like working, I'm on a project or whatever, I might fast and, you know, might quote intermittent fast one o'clock. Yeah. You know, in the afternoon, I don't really even notice. Right. But, you know, 10 a.m. on a Sunday, I'm like, where to brunch at? Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's a yeah. whole different ball game. And I, I implore people to pay attention to when they're not eating because there's some benefits to intermittent fasting. Absolutely. I'm an intermittent faster, but there's also where it goes too far and you may not notice it because you're busy working and you're not hungry. Um, back when I was still in corporate America, I would work way too long before it was time to go to lunch and I wouldn't be hungry. And my colleague pointed it out um, and she was like, you need to eat something. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I've got energy. She's like, your face doesn't look right. You need to eat something. And I looked in the mirror and I, I noticed there was like a little bit of paleness. And then I noticed I, I was actually a little cranky, but I wasn't hungry. I decided to take a walk, had some food. And it was a really cool sensation of feeling the blood come back to my face. And if I didn't have that cue, I would have just like bulldozed through the day. And you don't, you don't get to... Like, like you said, your body is so much smarter than your body is telling you what it needs, and we're you we're like overriding it. Yeah, that's so true. So you just mentioned one more thing I want to ask you about. Um, even that going for that walk in the program, you mentioned especially when people are working to possibly address an issue they're dealing with, or just for their body to to reset, to get things recalibrated. This isn't a time necessarily for you to go ham in the gym, right? You know, so maybe we ease off of that that pedal a little bit. But also, so it's not that movement is off limits, of course, we want to make sure that we're moving. But I want to ask you about this. You, you, you love to box, mm-hmm. right? So you throw hands. All right, mm-hmm. so another thing about Mary, she throws hands. His knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> how important is it for us to find something that we enjoy doing as far as movement? Mm. Um, you have to find movement that gives you joy. Like I have family members that I can't get bought into certain types of exercise movements and it can be really heartbreaking. But if you find, if you help them find something that they enjoy doing that incorporates movement, they're more likely to stick to it and go towards it. Um, myself, I, if, if all that was available to me was group exercise, I would never, ever, ever attend, ever tennis player. I wanna be kind of by myself. So when I would try to force myself into those situations, not only did I not enjoy it, but my body has a resistance to it. So it's finding things I enjoy, boxing, tennis, trail running. And those bring me joy on top of actually helping me with movement and exercise. In the gut reset though, I do, like you said, recommend just just moving, just walking, maybe some light stretching because you shouldn't be doing boxing unless you are a Champion boxer, someone we both know decided to box <laughs> through the whole reset because this person's a beast. Um, but when people ask me what's the best exercise, it's the same thing with paleo. Like, what is what are you going to be consistent with? It's going to get you moving because you can't you can't put me in a CrossFit class and think I'm going to want to stick with that. But if you have me do my boxing one on one, my coach has to stop me. Like, we're done for the day, and I'm like, oh man, are we? <laughs> Mm, I love that. And as you mentioned, you know, the last time that I saw a friend of mine, again, world-class boxer, they were mentioning they were about to do your program and, you know, your name pops up a lot and, you know, the, the impact that you're having. So many folks don't necessarily know that 
somebody that they're looking at on the big screen or watching them on the basketball court on another playing field. Yeah. You know, these are your clients. Yeah. And, you know, it's really remarkable. You, your story and being able to turn your adversity into gifts for other people. Like, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, you're just an amazing person. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it was really important to me when building this, like even when I met you those years ago, is that I didn't want my work to be about who I work with. I wanted it to be about the work. And my, my business on the consulting side is referral only. And it's as such because these clients will come to my social media and be like, she talks about the work. She doesn't talk about her clients and I feel safe. So it allows me to really focus on the quality of my work and build this credibility over 10 years where my name does get mentioned and I'm still always very humbled by it. And I had a client say, um, you know, at a dinner, I want to introduce you guys to the well-known Mary. And I'm like, oh, I'm not well-known. And he's like, you're not well-known, but the well-known know you and your work. And I really loved how that was put because it allows me to, moving forward, still continue on the quality of the work and then just be really proud of seeing them on the screen or seeing them on the field. Now it gets dicey when they're on opposite teams. <laughs> like shoot. <laughs> I mean, it's a win-win no matter what, yeah. but one's gonna need some brownies after this. <laughs> the other one. Well, again, I appreciate you so much. You're amazing. And if you could let everybody know, because regardless, people can glean so much from you just following your work. And you got so many great resources out there for folks, you know, from the reset to Fat Fudge. Can you let everybody know where to follow you? And also the places they can find fat fudge and the reset one more time. So paleochef.com is my website, but most of my stuff gets shared on, on Instagram more so than the website. Um, and stories are the most current. I don't always post directly to, to um, my feed. Read the captions. Yeah, <laughs> people's, the people still read captions, read captions. Yeah. Um, and because I, do, I put a lot of information of what I'm doing with athletes and highlights of ingredients there. And I feel like sometimes that gets missed because they're just looking at the, the fun picture. Um, Fat Fudge on the website, phatfudge.com. Got resets on paleochef.com. And then you can find Fat Fudge um, in some retail locations as well, like Erewhon and places like health food stores and some climbing stores like that. Um, I think that's, that's it for as far as where to find me. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, I see your the fat fudge out there in the streets and stores as well. You know, yeah, it's exciting. It's really, I mean, it's really, it's been this last year has been really cool seeing it really expand, seeing it in locker rooms too. It's been really cool. Like, <laughs> like I, I have this, this moment that we were talking about earlier where it's like this moment where it's like very much, of course, you know, you've done the work, of course, but then also the moment of like, <laughs> and I hope I always have a little bit of that awe with it. I don't want to go full, of course. Yeah. It's a nice balance. I feel like I feel like your your spirits like that. Like you you know who you are, and you're you're very certain of who you are. Like you're very proud of the man you become, but there's still this awe about you. It's really special. Mary, you tell it like it is. You know, <laughs> there's something about Mary. I appreciate you seriously for coming and hanging out with us. And that's it. It's a wrap. Mary Shinuda, everybody. Thank you. So awesome. Thank that's you. So I really fun. appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. One of the things that really jumped out at me during this episode and even seeing 
Mary here with me at the studio. And by the way, make sure that you're watching on YouTube. Pop over to the YouTube channel. We're doing some incredible things over there. The Model Health Show on YouTube. Subscribe. We have exclusive content there every week that you're not going to find anywhere else. But seeing Mary's skin, all right? So she's living what she's talking about. And when we had that little segment during the episode, we're talking about skin health and your skin being the outermost kind of expression of your health in a sense. But your skin, because it's the outermost portion of your body, it tends to get resources last. This is why you got to nourish your skin also from the outside in. But truly, your skin itself is going to be made from the inside out. And so integrating some of these wonderful recipes and, and nutrients that Mary talks about in her programs, truly, it, it's pretty remarkable what can happen. And seeing these things play out in the real world from high-performing athletes to everyday folks, you know, your body really requires the essential building blocks to make you. You know, if you're not providing your body with those raw materials, it's not going to be able to make the best crib possible. If you got a lot of value out of this, make sure to share this out with your friends and family. Of course, you can tag me. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram and tag Mary as well at Paleo Chef on Instagram and let her know what you thought about this episode. I appreciate you so much for tuning in. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.